You're listening to the weekly message at Mosaic Church. For more information or to talk about your own life in Christ, email info at mosaicchurchevans.org. If you'd like to support our ministry, visit our website at mosaicchurchevans.org. Thanks for listening. And now, this week's message. All right. So um, we've been in the series, Big God, Big Hearts. So over the last month, we have learned together what it means to be the church. And we've caught a vision for a church deeply aligned with God's heart for the world. And we've learned that we are a body intent on building the kingdom on earth. And we've been exploring what it means to be a member of the body of Christ, uniquely fit together through our giftedness and our call. And we've spent 21 days in unified prayer asking God to draw us into his vision for the church and the world and how to grow our hearts big enough to hold that vision. And we prayed for God to grow the expression of his church called Mosaic by bringing into our community folks with big hearts like ours. So I hope, my hope this morning is that as we finish this series, I can bring everything together for you in two words. And those two words are, you belong. You belong. You belong to something so much bigger than yourself. Because though we are uniquely fit together by our giftedness and our call, that's not what defines us as a family or shapes who we are as the body of Christ. And to understand who we are, we need to think bigger, much bigger. We need to think the way Paul does in his letter to the Ephesians, because in just six short chapters, Paul gives us a theological roadmap for community. And all along the way, he's he's marked all the important things with like these little red X's, right? One by one. One theme after another, he guides us through everything that shapes our faith. He teaches us about the means of salvation, who we are in relation to God, to Jesus, the church, and in the world. And he teaches us what it means to belong. And he teaches us how that should inform the way we live as members of God's family. So we're going to start there. But before we get there, because we're going to have a little theology lesson here, I want you to take a deep breath. Sit up, sit up straight in your chairs. <laughs> Do your best not to fall asleep. So turn to your neighbor and say, stay awake. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I hope so. There's a lot of it. There's a lot of it here. Uh, because I love theology. That's, I'm a, you know, I'm a, I am a, a student of theology at seminary. So this is, I can't help it, guys. This is just what it is. Um, so anyway, we're in chapter two of Ephesians, which is sort of, uh, towards, the, towards the end, <clears throat> towards the back of your Bible. And we're going to do uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 17 through 22. Let me find it, sorry. All right, we're ready? He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, 
the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. <coughs> so before we reach these verses in Ephesians, Paul, he sort of chose to spend his uh, energy helping us understand God's desire to reconcile all people to himself through Jesus and the cross. He tells us that through Christ, we've been invited into the family. And he says, because of Jesus, there's no longer any cause for division. So N.T. Wright, and I'm going to try to channel my inner N.T. Wright. He's my, my favorite New Testament scholar. He's got a British accent, so I'm sure I can't do it as well as he does. But, um, but here we go. Just imagine it in a British accent. That's what we'll do. But now, in King Jesus, you've been brought near in the king's blood. Yes, you who are a long way away. He is our peace, you see. He has made the two to be one. He has pulled down the dividing wall that turns us into enemies of each other. And the point of doing all this was to create in him one new human being out of the two. So Paul says, because of Jesus, we belong. But in our union with God and each other, we are not absorbed one into the other, but we take on an entirely new character. We become an entirely new body. So let's look at verse 19 again. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God people, God's people and also members of his household. With Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In other words, you belong. You belong, and that's sweet communion. And I, I really love the way Paul makes sure to convey the completeness of our belonging here, right? We are citizens of God's kingdom, citizens of God's kingdom, but God's kingdom is neither a plot of land or a spiritual structure. It's a global people. But then he brings it home, like literally, <laughs> from from the vastness of a cosmic, cosmic kingdom to the comfort and intimacy of a household. We are members of his household. Amen. And the implication is, you know, not only do we belong, but we also carry all the privilege and responsibility that royalty entails, right? right. And that's the way God has chosen to expand his kingdom to welcome us in and make us his own. Isn't that just so beautiful? God wants to build his kingdom in us and through us. So he invites us to participate in the work. You, me, us, poor, broken people, searching for a purpose and a place to belong. God gets us, doesn't he? He gets us, doesn't he? And of course he does. He made us. He knows the deepest longings of our heart because he put them there. Even when we don't know enough about ourselves to put words to it, God knows. We long to be. We long to be part of something lasting, something meaningful, something real, right? Isn't that what we want? Yes. I know that's true for me. Most of my life, I felt like I, I didn't belong anywhere. I was on the fringes in every way. Like, I was 
the middle child, the black sheep, the outcast, the other. And no matter how hard I tried, I never seemed to fit anywhere. And I, and I built my entire life around that belief. And it had disastrous effects for my family and me. I sort of lived in this awkward state of being that kept me isolated and addicted to things that sort of perpetuated that belief, you know? And then because I lived out of a faulty belief system that told me I didn't belong, I became the black sheep, the outcast, the other. I, I became the very thing I didn't want to be because I believed it. So I think that when what we want most in this world is to belong somewhere, sometimes anywhere will do. So we search for belonging among those who embody the same sense of disconnection and loneliness that exists in us. And if we aren't careful, we'll attach ourselves to a community rooted in faulty beliefs, beliefs that are intent on destroying our humanity. When our deepest need is to belong, we'll make it happen on our own. The, the danger in that lies in the fact that our identity will be lost in any part of life we choose apart from God's will. I believe that's how it works for all of us in one way or another. If we can't seem to find our right place in the world, any place of acceptance and belonging will do. And I think that's the danger of not understanding and claiming our place in God's household. Rather than taking on the mind of Christ, we will align ourselves with a different kind of like-minded folks. Instead of taking on the character of Christ, we default to the character of our individualistic, consumer-driven culture, a culture that tells us it's all about our needs. So we do what we must as fast as we can to get what we need. And we get caught up in the rat race, right? Rather than running the race to win the prize that is in Christ Jesus. Amen. So to counter that reality and experience a true sense of belonging, we need to reclaim our humanity and place more value on the power of spirit-driven relationships and Christ-centered community. We need to be with people and in situations where our stories are celebrated and our common goal for each other is sanctification. We need to be a place where the abiding love of God is the standard for acceptance. It's not perfection. We don't have to get it all right. That kind of place promises, promises us that we're valued and we're cherished. We're not seen as something that needs to be fixed. You know, like Carolyn says all the time, people are not the problem, the people are the prize. We are not the problem, we are the prize. That kind of place promises we are safe here. That kind of place declares we belong. So let's, let's move on and look at Ephesians 2, 21 and 22. <clears throat> in him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling place in which God lives by his spirit. So here we go. Take a deep breath, some more theology. So this, these verses were a revolutionary statement in Paul's day. 
revolutionary. Now he uses this powerful imagery of a temple, of a, of a building, a holy temple, to make the point about what it means to belong to God's family. And in doing that, essentially, he redefines the temple. And that's a big deal, because in Paul's day, the temple was a central symbol of Judaism. It was the religious heart of the nation, and it was also the, uh, the place of worship, celebration, feasting, and the political, social, and cultural heart of Jerusalem. But most importantly, the temple was the place God promised to dwell among his people. So for the Jewish people, the temple was a place where heaven and earth met. But here in Ephesians, Paul declares a new kind of temple. This temple, the one the living God is constructing, is not made of lifeless stones and arches and pillars, but living, breathing people. All kinds of people. We are living stones. And collectively, by the indwelling of the Spirit, we have become God's temple. We are where heaven and earth meet. We are where heaven and earth meet. And Jesus is our cornerstone. And I want to talk about that for a minute. Cornerstone, you know, is a pretty important piece in architecture. The cornerstone is the very first stone placed at the foundation of the structure, right? All the other stones are laid in reference to the cornerstone, meaning the cornerstone determines the direction and the position of all the other stones. So what Paul's telling us is that Jesus determines the position and the direction of God's temple. Jesus determines the position and direction of each one of us. And then in 1 Kings chapter 6, there's a verse that tells us that the stones for Solomon's temple, the very first temple, they were quarried. So they were cut at a quarry and dressed to fit by human hands, and then they were carried to the temple. But now, we are the stones of God's temple, right? We are the stones of his dwelling place. That means each one of us has been quarried by God and carried here, hand-shaped and hand-picked by God to fit a particular place in his temple. Now, that's the macro view. That's the big vision of God's temple, the cosmic temple. But let's bring it down to the micro and what it means for us, the people of Mosaic Church. It means each one of us has been shaped by God's Spirit and led here to this place to fit a special spot. I know. So think about that for a minute. That means not only do you belong... You belong here. You matter. You are built to make a difference in this world and in this church. You are a living, breathing stone in God's temple and an important part of this church. Now, turn to your neighbor and say, you belong here. Now turn to your neighbor and say, you matter. <laughs> and then just sort of let that sink in for a minute. It sort of changes things, doesn't it? It's good to hear. It's good to know. Now I want to take the analogy out just a little bit farther, right? So if we are the temple, God is the architect, right? 
That means he designed the building, he drew up the blueprints, began the construction in King Jesus, and handpicked each one of you to fit a particular place. That also means we don't determine the, the shape of the temple, right? The temple determines the shape of us. So what is the shape we're meant to take? Well, our shape is meant to be incarnational. We embody Christ. And like Christ, we exist not to be served, but to serve. We have a purpose. Individually and collectively, in our belonging, we have a purpose. So what is our purpose? Well, Paul tells us that in Ephesians chapter 4. So just flip a page over to chapter 4. We're going to look at um, verses 1 through 12. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> but we're not going to read the whole thing. I'm going to kind of, but we're going to talk about the whole thing. So Paul begins the passage with this beautiful encouragement. So in in uh, verses 1 through 6, he says something like this, right? He says, I'm paraphrasing. This is how I imagine Paul saying it. <laughs> Listen, I'm sitting in prison right now. Obviously, I've given myself to this work. Obviously, it's worth it, right? And I want you to do the same because it's worth it. Yes. And it's worth it because of Jesus, because in him there is one body, one spirit and one Lord over all. It's worth it because Jesus lived and died to birth this church. And now we are all born into the same hope. The hope and promise of the whole world made new in Christ. And you are invited to participate in God's plan to redeem the whole world. Then in verse, I know, amen, amen. Then in verse 7, he says something like this. But guess what? You don't have to be like the person sitting next to you. So turn to your neighbor and say, don't try to be like me. Don't try to be like me. <laughs> That's right. You be who God graced you to be. Because you have gifts. Turn to your neighbor and say, get off my gifts. You have your own. <laughs> so, <laughs> so now let's look at verses 11 and 12 again. And so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure and the fullness of Christ. So what Paul says here <clears throat> is that our belonging comes with a calling. A calling meant to shape the way we live with one another, and, and a calling meant to shape the world in which we live, right? We belong to one body and one spirit, one Lord and Father of us all. It's a belonging knit together in unity by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's a calling bathed in grace. 
Paul says that through the Spirit, Christ gave himself the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip people for works of service. And I want to talk a minute about these offices and giftings that, that Paul mentions here because they sound pretty big, right? And, and really they are, especially in Paul's context. When he, he's talking about the apostles, he talk, he's talking specifically about the twelve, the people he spent his life with. And when he's talking about prophets, he's talking about folks like Isaiah and Jeremiah. And then the pastors he mentions, they're the ones that, uh, the patri- the, they're the ones that led the churches that they were planting all over. And, and the teacher, to me, sounds like someone who belongs in like, a classroom full of people, right? <laughs> That's not necessarily the case for all of us today. And in just a minute, we'll talk about how those giftings might look in our context. But first, I want to show you a new web page we recently added to our website. And I'm going to walk you through how to get there. If you have your phone handy, you can pull it out and go to our website, mosaicchurchevans.org. If you don't, just keep your eye on the screen, and we will we'll show you how to find it. So when you go to our website, you look for our ministries tab. And if you're on your phone, you'll see these three little horizontal Vertical, yeah, horizontal bars <laughs> in the top by the logo in the top right corner of your screen. You click on that, and then you'll see the ministries tab. And then you click on the ministries. You click on the ministries tab, and you look for the block that says uh, "You belong here." <clears throat> when you click on that block, it will take you to a page, and there you go. And on that page is everything that it takes to keep our ministries going. You'll see worship and prayer, the ministry of welcome, which is everything that happens here on Sunday morning, from greeting to Chris Barlow to our worship hosts, everything that happens. And then you'll see adult, student, and children discipleship, and then the practical ministry of caring for our buildings and ground. And then in each section, you'll find links, and the link will take you to a page that tells you a little bit about what it means to claim a spot in that, in that position. And we've also included, you know, I find it hard to believe that nobody in here, you know, (laughs) that it would be possible someone may not have taken a spiritual gifts inventory because I can't even count the number of times we've done it. However, if you have not and you aren't sure what your giftings are, we even included a uh, a spiritual gifts inventory on our website. And then in each section, we've listed what kind of spiritual gifts will be helpful for that position. So, but now that you have that resource, we're going to let it go, and we're going to go back to Scripture. I just wanted to make sure you guys had that. And we're going to look again at Ephesians 11 and 12. Or 11 and 12. I keep saying 11 and 12, but I mean 11, 12, and 13, because that 13 is a doozy. All right. So Christ gave himself the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for work works of service so that the body may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So let's take a minute and look together at how these giftings Paul mentions might work out in our community, right? So the word apostle comes from the Greek word apostolos. Say that one with me, apostolos. Opposed to those. It's fun. Thank you for doing that. (laughs) 
It means sent one, a messenger, uh, one who bears a commission. People with this gift are willing to cross barriers for the gospel, whether those barriers are uh, social, economic, cultural, geographic. And they tend to have strong leadership ability. And they tend to do things like plant churches or they're interested in starting or leading new ministries like maybe our prayer ministry. They're drawn to cross barriers in international and local missions. I would call them entrepreneurs. So if you consider yourself an entrepreneur, you might, ha you might have an apostolic gift. Folks with a prophetic gifting have a supernatural ability to receive and boldly speak God's truth for the comfort, correction, and edification of the body of Christ. That means those with a prophetic gift are given insights into other people's lives, the church, and the world. They may have a visionary dreams or a vision-filled prayer life, and they use those insights toward the goal of calling folks higher. So someone with a prophetic gifting would make a great mentor, a great group leader, vision team leader, vision team member. But it also works itself out in other ways, like preaching and teaching. It's a gift of the Spirit to see things in Scripture that other folks might miss. A prophetic gifting crafts a great message. And evangelists are passionate about seeing people come to Christ. And this shows up passionate preaching in the, from the pulpit, but also in everyday encounters with others. They can't help but talk about Jesus. And that kind of reminds me of Chris and Panera UMC, you know. <laughs> Our satellite campus, Chris planted. So you're an apostle and an evangelist. <laughs> All right. So Paul lists, uh, Paul lists pastors and teachers together because these gifts kind of overlap. A person with the spiritual gift of teaching is passionate about guiding people in the truth. And I can kind of talk a little bit about this one because I have that gift, and it's, and it's weird. I absolutely love research. I love it, and I love digging into Scripture and mining it for all it's worth. But not just so I can know the stuff, you know, because I feel this deep need inside to share it. So I'd like to think it is for, you know, for those who don't love research. For those who don't love to dig into it, I can do that for you. And then I'll tell you, I will tell you, I will teach you what I learn. And I need to do that. You know, it's like, it's not, I don't want to be up here. I need to be, you know. I was talking to Chris uh, last Tuesday. We do a prayer time and I was explaining to him that thing, the, the same thing. And I said to him, I am most comfortable back there with Krista. Like, that's where I feel like I belong back there. I want to make sure, you know, if I see people fanning, I want to come fix the, the AC, make sure there's tissues at the cross or whatever, that kind of thing. Let me just take care of things for you. But when I think about not doing it, and then I came back and told Chris the next day, when, when I think about not standing up here and sharing the truth that I have found with you, I, I feel sad. You know, I feel like, oh, something would truly be missing in my life if I didn't do it. So here I am. <laughs> And there you are, letting me do it. <laughs> so it's a need. Pastors and teachers care deeply about the spiritual lives of others. We want to help people become whole through Jesus. And pastors and teachers are needed in every area of ministry at Mosaic. Kid City, Epic, Life Groups, Recovery Ministry, everywhere. Everywhere. 
So basically what I'm telling you is that these gifts, these offices and giftings that Paul mentions in Ephesians are not only for first century believers, they're for us too. Because they are desperately needed in churches around the world and here in our church. And there are far more spiritual gifts than these. There's far more. Depending on who you ask, there's between like 18 and 25 different gifts that are listed in Scripture. I tend to think that we all embody a variety of gifts, not just one, but we have several. And then together, we embody all of them by design. That's, it has to work that way. That's the way God has designed it to be. We are dependent on one another and dependent on the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> so my, you know, my, te- my top three gifts are administration, wisdom, teaching. <clears throat> Pardon me. But I wouldn't know that if somebody hadn't told me, you know? So I wonder, do you wonder what people see in you sometimes? Do you wonder? Do you want to ask someone what they see in you? <laughs> Let's do it. Turn to your neighbor and ask them, what do you see in me? What do you see in me? That's great. Thanks for doing that. So, I don't think they're ready to stop. Y'all keep going. Okay. So, Paul talks, uh, talks a lot more about spiritual gifts in different places in the Bible, and he talks about the body a lot. In Colossians, Ephesians, Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, in every place, it's the same overall message. You belong. So what if, what if Paul's message of belonging means that as a body, your gifts, my gifts, our gifts, combined, all fill the roles needed to be a community shaped by the Spirit, grounded in the gospel, and built on the foundation of Jesus Christ our Lord. So you've been invited to the table, and you don't have to be super spiritual, super smart, or super cool. You just need to be super faithful. Be humble, gentle, be patient, like Paul says in in chapter 4, verse 2, because that's what it looks like in the temple, the place where heaven meets earth. And that's what it takes to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of Christ. Because it will take time to advance the kingdom of God on earth. It will take time before all people know they belong. So the calling, the, the calling Paul refers to is the calling of the gospel itself. It's inviting people to believe in Jesus as the risen Lord and King and to give him complete allegiance for the rest of our lives. That's the call. And many of you in the room today may still remember the day that I walked through the doors of Mosaic for for good, you know. I know I remember it. I had no idea what to do with myself. I had no idea what my life would be like or what God wanted for me. 
but I knew God called me, and I knew I belonged here. Beyond that, I was pretty clueless, you know. So I just sort of threw myself in to, to the life of God and gave myself over to the mercy of the church. That's how I did it. I didn't know anything about spiritual gifts or how to live in community, but I just kept coming, and I kept accepting invitations, hoping to discover who I was meant to be. In other words, I put myself around people and in situations where my story was celebrated, where I could reclaim my humanity and learn to place value in the power of spirit-driven relationships and Christ-centered community. I put myself around people who understood and understand that our common goal for one another is sanctification, not perfection, sanctification. The kind that means becoming mature Christians attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And I have grown so much because of you. There are some days, like today, and practically every day I get up here, that I wonder why you guys bother coming to church on the day I preach. Because I will mess up. You got a, it's probably a 90% chance I'm going to say something off or wrong or you see me trip over my words all the time. It's just the way it is. I'm okay with it. I'm glad y'all are too. <laughs> Thank you. But you let me do it anyway. And you come anyway. You let me work it all out up here in front of you where I belong. So I know I'll get better at it, you know, because you are helping me develop my gifts just by showing up. I wish I could take everything I know about how community works and give it all to you. I wish I could. I wish I could help you understand how much it means to me that you helped me claim my belonging. That's why I believe this message so deeply. I know it's true. Paul preached it. I lived it. I have grown so much because of you. It gave me a chance to bloom and to discover my gifts, to find my place here, and to serve God in a meaningful way. You've changed my life in ways you will never fully understand, and that's the power of community. That's the power of belonging. And that's what we're called to do, to belong to expand the kingdom, to help people see themselves in God's stories the same way you did for me, to help people know that they belong. They belong to something real, something bigger than themselves, something powerful, something expansive. We're called to help the world know that Jesus is king and he's alive and well on his throne, in his body, that is the church. Amen. That's who we are, the body of Christ, the temple of the Lord, a community that offers the promise of belonging and allows us to acknowledge our interdependence. We belong. We are investors, co-owners, and co-creators of this place. We're welcome, even if we're strangers. As if we came to the right place and we're affirmed to, for that choice, right? Awakening our sense of belonging is remembering, as in allowing Jesus to put us back together in community. So how will you remember as part of the body of Christ this season? So what I want to do right now, we're going <coughs> to, excuse me, 
is I want to make a little bit of room for, for prayer for us. I know that there are many of us who know where we are, know where we're, we're secure in, in our spot. There may be many of us here who don't, who don't know. We're still trying to figure it out. So I want to pray because we, will dis- we, we learn that through revelation, you know. So I, I just want to make room for the Lord to speak to our hearts right now. So I want to pray, you know, if you follow me in this prayer. Lord Jesus, we are grateful for the opportunity to be uh, part of what you're doing in the world, God, to be your temple. Uh, And I'm asking you now, Lord, to reveal to me what my gifts are, what my place is, what you would have me do here, Lord. And I want to pray, Lord, for those I want, to, I want to pray for those, Lord, who are trying to figure it out, God. I pray, God, if you, if you know your place, I want to pray, that I want to ask you to pray for those who are searching, that God reveal himself, Lord. And we'll just listen. Lord God, we thank you for our place and community. Thank you for bringing us here. Thank you for helping us uh, find belonging in all the ways that you do, Lord. We're grateful. We're grateful for the body of Christ, grateful for who you've created us to be, and grateful for the invitation. Thank you, Jesus. We pray this in your holy name. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our message. If you live in the area and are looking for a church home, we'd love to see you. Visit us or check out our website at mosaicchurchevans.org for more information. May God bless your day.